Hello, and welcome to the Say Less Therapy Podcast. I'm your host, William Grayson. And today we're diving into a critical conversation. Join us as we welcome our special guest, Dr. Michael A. Murphy, MD, to discuss the impact of parental influence on child's mental health. Together, we'll unravel the ways in which parents shape their child's emotional world. Stay tuned for a thought-provoking episode that's sure to enlighten and inspire. At Healing Heart Counseling, we're focused on helping you overcome your mental health challenges. Individual therapy, couples therapy, family and group therapy, we're open to everyone and ready to help you find balance. Speak with a counselor today at HealingHeartCounselingLLC.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Say Less Therapy Podcast. Um, we are off doing podcasts and we are streaming live. So hello to our online audience. Hey. First time. All right. Uh, we are joined, as always, by our in-house clinician, Miss Sarah Grayson. Hey, hey. Her husband, Mr. Will Grayson. How you doing? Our partner in crime, Miss Melody Moore. Hello. And myself, JJ, good to see you guys. Good to have you guys with us, listening and viewing us as well. Tonight, we have a very special guest. Um, again, someone uh, that we all have worked with. And um, I know me personally, I've gleaned a lot from him. Um, everybody, welcome to the show, Dr. Michael Murphy. Yes. How you doing, Dr. Yay. Murphy? Yay. Now, now, you know me long enough. It's, it's Dr. Michael Anthony. Dr. Murphy, tell us um, a bit about yourself, your credentials, who you are, what you do. Oh, sure, sure. Well, one, one, let, let me begin by uh, thanking you all for the opportunity to be on the show. And I was getting these congratulations when I sent things out. And I said, no, 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 first, I, I'm going to be the guest. <laughs> not mine. Not yet. Not yet. One day I'm going to do my thing. You know? uh, I've been in the lab doing some work. Uh, but no, I'm a board-certified child and adolescent psychiatrist as well as board-certified general psychiatrist. Uh, graduated from the University of Florida uh, College of Medicine in 2001. Uh, and, and prior to that, First of all, to all my Rattlers out there, I, I went to the uh, Florida A&M University. Where I had my degree in chemistry pre-med. That was in 98. Did a dual enrollment, so I was able to skip a year of college and uh, go right into the school. I didn't know they had school. a Florida A&M. <laughs> I didn't. Oh, I am Texas A&M. Yeah, like, yeah. what? We got we to work on Will. He's not educating me. He's not, <laughs> right, not educating I don't need Will to educate me. just because you're doing telehealth and I've done my stint in telehealth and you know my thoughts on it how, how do you like it you know we were doing telehealth back in 2001 back in the uh, University of Virginia really right 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 so you'd have people who lived out in South Boston Virginia those type of places no one's going out there right so we go in the basement so even back then you'd have like a nurse practitioner or a nurse in the room you'd have a, a conversation, do your assessment, and then tell them what type of prescription you wanted written, and things would take care of that. 
So I was used to the format even mm. in its infancy. Right? Okay. Now the technology has gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> yes. Technology has gotten a lot better. Internet has, has blown up. Mm-hmm. However, the ability to command a room and make that connection mm. is lost sometimes yeah. in that transmission. Right? I think so too. And, and it's really a, a problem sometimes when you're dealing with children because when I can sit here and make a connection and show the empathy and the caring and you can understand and you know, you feel like, hey, maybe that connection is different than when I'm in a tablet. Mm-hmm. Because when you get right. frustrated, you can just put me down. <laughs> and that's true. <laughs> and that's true, right? And so that, that connection, so I always tell people, particularly if you're dealing with younger children, you know, unless that child has a level of maturity to be able to, to communicate to you the needs that you have, give them somebody who's in a room with them. Let them build yeah. that rapport. Let them build that trust. Let them have that human connection mm-hmm. so that they can actually take advantage of the process. I agree. I, when I did telehealth, um, 12 was the youngest I would take. That's the cutoff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because so. their attention span is not good. Mm-mm. So we brought you on here because we said we was going to talk about uh, parents and dealing with the mental health of their adolescents and children. Yeah. So um, getting into that, because we all done work together and we mm. done seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about the um, let's talk about the, the good. As in, you know, I'm bringing my child in. He needs help. Um, and they have, we'll just say, what is it? Disobedient behavior, because we always see that. What kind of, like, when you're doing your evaluations and after they get done seeing the therapist and everything, what what type of evaluation and determination do you like, okay, this kid needs this, this medication, this medication, and this medication? And how do you break that down to the parents so they could take it, you well, know, some, you're good. I, well, I think, I think one of the biggest hurdles, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Ravi, but one of the biggest hurdles for me, for you know, between therapy, psychiatry, and the the family and the system, right, is the um, willingness. And so, if we're talking about the good, it's the 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 parent being willing to take that advice from the therapist and the psychiatrist of what needs to happen. What I see a lot is that there's a lot of myths and um, uh, misinformation about you know, medication in um, mental health and therapy really too, and all, all of the stigma. And so, and so there's sometimes a push against it. We're talking about the good, those parents that really embrace the process and become part of the treatment team is, is really when we see the best results for me. Well, that's from a good, well, it begins with education. Yes. It begins with education. And, uh, Let's begin with the process, right? The first right. thing is to understand that uh, a child is not a little adult, right? Um, a child, say it again. Right, say it right, again. A child is not a little adult. <laughs> they are going through a maturation process to adulthood, mm-hmm. right? And so we we already recognize that when we say that, you know, they're a toddler, they're an adolescent, they're a preteen, they're a teenager. You know, we, all, we already designate that. But what does that truly mean? Well, that means that we expect them to have a certain level of maturation in different aspects of their uh, physical and mental uh, life, right? Right now, the spiritual component of life we'll, we'll deal with later. But the mental and physical, we see these things mature, and they mature at different rates in different children at different times, right? I mean, you can say, hey, this child is mature in their uh, academic ability, their academic maturity, their way of moving forward academically and their intelligence is way higher than their age. So we, we call those kids high IQ. Right. right. Now, you also have a lot of kids, unfortunately, who have a, a physical maturity that doesn't match their emotional maturity. Right. Right. Oh, right. Right. right, right, right. And when we're working with children, then you have to understand where that child is on the maturation process to gauge whether their behavior is inappropriate for where they are in that process to begin with. Right? Sometimes it's about the expectation and understanding of what should this child be doing at this time. So we owe it on ourselves to educate parents about the stages, development, what they should expect. You know, some things are just inappropriate age behavior, but the hope is that they'll catch up. Okay. Yeah. And so we start there. And if you ever see a kid start to regress from where they matured from, then we know we have a problem. 
Right. right. If they're not meeting the expectations, you can get an assessment. The assessment may mean that they're moving slowly. The assessment may mean they have something really bad going on that stopped them at that stage. You know, sometimes you can get stuck somewhere in your development, depending on something that may have happened yeah. to you. Or when You're totally right. Yep. Right? So if you understand where they should be functioning at, you get a better sense. You, you get to meet the kids. You get to learn from the kids. You can't always do that. Mm-hmm. Right, that is that is correct. And so you, you get a parent to buy in and say, listen, I want to get to know your child. I want to get a better understanding of I spend time with that child. Now, me and my wife were just talking about this. Back in the day, you would see a child, and then you would then meet with the parents separately, and you may get some information from the mm-hmm. teacher. You, you get collateral information. Mm-hmm. Right. That doesn't always happen. Right. You know? Uh, but that gives you an ability to really pinpoint on where that child is from a, a functioning standpoint in various aspects of the life, and you get the chance to get a bigger picture together. Mm. So once we know where they are from a developmental standpoint, right? you know, abnormal behavior from normal behavior, you then gauge what, what is the source of the abnormal behavior, and you tell the parent, like, you, you say you want buy-in. Right? Yeah. How, right. do I, how do I get buy-in? Medication does become an issue. That's that's where but, I see a lot of an issue. But, it, but once again, it depends on how you see medication. So right. So mental health, mental health, uh-huh. it's just one aspect of wellness. Right. So when I talk to parents, I say, listen, mental health, physical health, spiritual health, financial health, all of them are tied in together. You got to maintain some sense of balance. But when you look and settling on mental health, mental health is, am I using good defense mechanisms, right? Am I using um, good coping skills? Am I learning good stress management? Right? You know, I want to. I have to do all these things, and then medication. Medication's a spot, right? So if I'm pushing hard on everything I should be doing, if I'm using good coping skills, mm-hmm. if I'm using good defense mechanisms, if I'm doing things like reframing situational analysis, mm-hmm. you know, we we talk about uh, physical things that we do to help negate. Mm-hmm. The physical symptoms of psychiatric symptoms, like deep breathing techniques, progressive muscle relaxation. I'm doing all these things, and I'm still having problems from pushing and pushing and pushing, and I can't get that weight from coming down on me. I may need a spotter. Right. Right. And now, I like I, that I analogy. Spotter, yeah. Now, when I got a spotter. Right. Well, you know this. If I got a spotter, and, and I can't just let go. No. Right? I got to keep pushing, and they're gonna help me continue to push. And at some point when I can continue to push through this enough, then maybe I can take the spot away. So let me ask you this is like that analogy. I'm sure you've used it before with parents. Is it, is it effective? So well, like, most people, most people come to you and they say this, I don't want to be on medication all my life. Right. Right. They right. do. Now, they do say that. What we used to say is you treat a person to remission, remission six months without symptoms and no more, longer meeting the criteria. And at that point, then you can try to take off medication. Right? Now, sometimes psychiatric conditions are cyclical in nature. Mm-hmm. They come around. So it's not that I just stopped my medication. I didn't get sick again. I'm good. No, some things are cyclical. Like You don't have to have a reason for depression. Correct. Right? Yeah. You have depression because you have depression. You have an anxiety disorder and anxiety because you have an anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not always a why. Right. So sometimes things do come back cyclically. That's I'm glad you said that too, because I had plenty of clients that would feel actually guilty for having like depression or anxiety and saying, like, I have this good life. I you know, like I shouldn't feel this way. And I'm like, eh, depression doesn't pick people (laughs) based on like, you know. When people look for a why, Mm -hmm. many times they're also looking for a why not. And so you can convince yourself that maybe you don't have a depression. No, I ain't got out. I ain't been out of bed in, in a week. I'm, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I don't feel like living. But you know, nothing bad has happened, so this can't be depression. They do, yeah, they absolutely. So what? So when they do that, you know, they just shut right. it in. Or like, uh, I'll shake it off. No, it get, it's, uh, many times from what I've seen, it gets worse. Like it, it will get worse, well, and cyclically, like you said too, like they might have a good day, another, and then another analogy I try to I try to explain to people too when it comes to the cyclical nature of this, right? So your symptoms are going along, right? We all have some ups and downs throughout mm-hmm. the day, right? Now, sometimes as we get more and more wrapped up in our depression, those downs get deeper and deeper. And yeah. Deeper, right? 
Now, cyclical in nature. Psychiatric symptoms are cyclical in nature. Mm -hmm. The goal of the medication then is to shrink the circle. So maybe I have a little bit of depression or a couple of sad days, but I'm not going for weeks at a time where I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. I have some down moments, but, you know, I can utilize some skills sometimes to push through Mm -hmm. those moments because it's a lot easier to get through little hurdles in life than to handle the big ones. And so if you look at medication in that perspective as well, Mm -hmm. you know, some people can come off the medications and do well. Other people, if it comes back and you're not having symptoms, stick with it. Yeah. Well, I always describe it too, like in my um, practice, I would describe it as um, like comparing it to medical. Like if you, if you sprain your ankle and you do all the things, the, the therapy and you get better and you ice it and you elevate it, all the things and it gets better. Um, you know, and you, you go back to doing exactly what you did before, but, you know, because you've had that bad sprain, you, you just got to watch it. <laughs> like, you got to watch it because it's the, the, the percentage of, or the chance of it getting sprained again is a little bit higher now. Like, and so I feel like that's kind of when I think of depression and anxiety specifically, um, that's kind of how I see it, too, because it can come back and, and there isn't a why. Right. It's no. just because, you know, well, you have this you know, disorder. Or... My concept of illness is, is this, you know, we all have genetic predispositions. Mm, right? yeah. We all have genetic predispositions or something. And when put under the right or maybe the wrong circumstances, that genetic predisposition will manifest itself yeah. in a set of symptoms which we then categorize mm-hmm. as a diagnosis, right? You are not your diagnosis. You this aren't. The, right? Absolutely. These are, we pass things along to our children. We, you know, we already know that that in the uh, mitochondria, right? You said some of the maternal traumas that we deal with. I mean, mm-hmm. So we already know that we pass things along to our children. And unfortunately, we also then raise them in ways that sometimes exacerbates the things that we were trying not to get them to do in the first place. That's true. I mean, I mean, I mean, people get in trouble because they so don't want to be like their fathers. They end up just like. Mm. Oh gosh, that's Especially a whole that's a whole other episode. That's another episode right there. So yeah. So what do you say? So I get a lot of and I'm sure you do too, like talk about like some of like the so I get all of this noise, right? Um myths and medication, you know, since we have a psychiatrist here, you know, um and, and I do my part to try to educate, but obviously you know, this is your, your, um, uh, ball field, but right. you know, like there's so many myths like, Oh, it, it made me feel high or it made me feel numb or I wasn't myself or, um, I don't want to be like you said earlier, I don't want to be addicted for life or it's addictive. I mean, and it comes from like a lot of times the parents, I, I feel like. Well, it depends on the class of medication. Yeah. Right now with children, there are certain medications that we should avoid. Mm. Right. Like I, I said, children are not little adults. Unless there's a coexisting medical condition that may justify certain things, I stay away from benzodiazepines. Mm. Oh, right. please, please, right. please stay always away stay away from them. So, so then the main medications please. we're using with children will tend to be, you know, medications that treat things like ADHD, and then you have your antidepressants, and, you know, you explain to parents, listen, maybe they have some anxiety, but you treat it with antidepressant because medication was always named after what it was first used to treat, right? Lots of medications we use have so many different meanings. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, antipsychotic medication will always be an antipsychotic medication, but we use many of those for also bipolar disorder yeah. and those other issues, right? Mm-hmm. So so you, you're dealing with them and you explain about medication, you get what class of medication you're looking at. Many times, like I said, antidepressant medications are, are going to be a typical things that you utilize. You explain to people that everything comes with side effects, right? Mm-hmm. right? Now, anything you put in your mouth can cause nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, constipation, GF, upset, and headache. Right? That's late night commercial, right? Late night commercials. But a fish sandwich could do that, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, but but we also have to be mindful of things like the FDA warning of increased risk of suicidal ideations and behaviors associated mm-hmm. with the use of antidepressant people under age 25. Well, and that doesn't get talked about enough. I, well, I you better. Like. I'll tell you what, if you're a psychiatrist and you don't but, say, you know what, though? That, but but do you know what, though? Like, there's so many times I've had a patient come in um, and I say, I'm sh- like, they've just newly been on a medication. And I say, I'm sure your psychiatrist told you this, but, you know, if you feel 
you know, um, more than normal suicide, like all of the things. And they're like, no, they didn't say that. And it drives me bananas. Like, I'm like, what? Well, <laughs> like, you know, sometimes I just got to hope that, that, that they read the fine print. They're not yeah. going to do it. Well, so if the, if the person's putting them on, for some people, just the idea of going on it, they're thinking about all that. So they're not hearing everything. Yeah. Now everything goes like, when people give you bad news, and all of a sudden you don't want to be on something and you're thinking about those type of things. So, you know, we used to have people sign mm. paperwork. <laughs> no, and I'm quite sure the pharmacist is going to tell you as well. They try to get checks and balances. But anytime your depression is getting worse. But but here's what we know. Right? It takes, what, four to six weeks to see the full benefits. Correct. Of yeah. Okay, yeah. Four to six weeks. And we already know that children don't respond to them at the same rate. That it right. Mm-hmm. So you explain. What is it that you're looking for the medication to do? This is what the medication can reasonably do for you. And these are the side effects that it, it comes with. What we get pulled into, unfortunately, is everyone wants to tell you about their personal experience, but you know, your body is not my body. We right. respond differently. And can I guarantee you what happened to them is not going to happen? No. Mm-hmm. That's why they have all this, that's why they had a list of side effects. However, if you have these issues, we can discuss options for them. Yeah. Right. I think people say things like, yo, I don't want some medication to control me. Not many medications can do that. Okay? Um, there are some legitimate concerns and related to medication side effects that people don't always talk about. Right? Like, I know kidneys, liver, you know, messes up like certain. Well, most of the time, like the antidepressants are going to generally be safe. Uh, the ADHD medication, the biggest issue people worry about is the cardiac concern, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, increased risk of cardiac arrhythmias and sudden death associated with increased risk of cardiac uh, risk of side effects with kids with, who have cardiac issues. Right? Um, it increases the the heart rate, right? Or right. No? Yeah. Right. Well, so you can have cardiac arrhythmias and sudden death increased with people who have known cardiac abnormalities. Yeah. So we used to get EKGs for people. Now they said most of them are going to be safe. Mm-hmm. Start slow, go low. We always know that. Start slow, go low. Give a person time. If you have side effects, generally if it's more than three to five days, you can try to work through. Mm-hmm. You know, but listen to what the person's telling you. Listen to what the kids tell you. Now, but sometimes what? people say I got side effects because I don't want to take it. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, oh man, it's like hey, you know what? And, and and you can't and you have to recognize that the one thing we have to, we have autonomy, mm-hmm. right? We are we are we are bound by autonomy. People have the right not to take medication. They do. No, right? But what do you do with a parent? Because like that that's one of the things that I've I've found, especially in this day and age, like the I think I feel like the kids are more willing than the parents sometimes. And so the parents come in and they're like, I don't want my kid on medication and like they're presented to you. What do you do as a psychiatrist? And we know the kid is off the chain. Like you he's running around. You need to have an understanding of what the parent sees what the parent sees the role of medication. Mm-hmm. Right. Sometimes they don't want to feel like, oh, you feel I'm a bad parent, so now I got to put my kid on pills to control. Right. Oh, right. Yeah, that's yeah, to the right. root. You got, right, because you know, if I, if I have a parent, I say, well, you know, this is how I see medication. Like I say, as a spotter. But if you're resistant to it, could you just explain to me what your concern is? Yeah. Right. And and you may have weeks. Now, I I remember sometimes taking weeks and weeks, and we get into the not yet, right? Like. Well, you know, I'll think of medication when this happens. I'll yeah. think of medication when this happens. And you can, t- but you got to recognize that it means different things to different people when you say your kid needs medication. Mm-hmm. Right? That's true. Right? So I think that's a really good takeaway, actually, is because get, there are like different views on it. And like, what does it mean? Like, why are you saying this? Like, why are you, you know, Man, getting you know, to this? You're talking about, when it comes to medication, you're talking about things that, that hit cultural, yes. right? You're talking yes. about things that hit religious, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, I mean, you know, and if they got this problem, how did it happen? And people go into issues with denial about things all mm-hmm. the time, you know, and also they don't need medication. They just need this, yeah. right? You know, they, they just, they just need to pray more. Well, sometimes they you need, need a good spanking. You need prep, right? right? You can't out. You can't. You know. You know I tell you what. Uh, you, you can't out beat ADHD. You can't. So, <laughs> you can't. And, and you know when I, when I tell people about the spotter, it's with the understanding that something like ADHD, 
that spider means a little bit more, mm. right? A spider means a little bit more, yeah. right? Because as we know, with success rate when it comes to depression and anxiety, we talk about therapy and medication. Well, the success rate of medication and the success rate of therapy about the same. Mm-hmm. But when you put them, them together, together there's yeah. a synergistic approach. It's right? got the most highest percentage we, we, we of success. This, but but yeah. you know, we also live in a society that I want a quick fix. Yeah, you're right. Instant gratification. Yeah, well, and also they, they, it's the idea of, of this whole idea of before and after. It's like, no, let me explain something. This is a journey. Once you have depression, there's not a before and after. There's what do I have to do to keep this in check? Right? Yeah, like the sprained ankle, like I'm saying. What yeah. do I have to do to keep these? How mm-hmm. do I mitigate things that could exacerbate the potential for this to come again? Exactly. Right? Hey, uh, I don't talk about my medical health that much, but I got cholesterol. and and so i take my pill and then you know i didn't throw away my deep fryer when i got my air fryer (laughs) but i do i do the deep fryer for the potatoes and the air fryer for the chicken so so but then i do the things i need to do to mitigate the things like exercise and eat right most of right same thing. It is the same. I'm glad you brought that up because I like I the all well let me like take two of that, like trying to say it, but I compare medical to mental all the time for people because they get it more when you compare those and and I, I think it works. Medical symptoms are are hard. Mental health symptoms. Yeah. But I'm saying like when you tell somebody, a client, like when you tell them like this is equal to this, like in, in mental health standards. Well, um, if I have uh, anxiety, right, and I can't sleep, I may have multiple reasons why I can't sleep, right? But um, if a person says I can't sleep, if you're anxious, you can't sleep. If you're depressed, you can't sleep. If you're mad, you can't sleep. Almost every psychiatric condition almost has a connection to sleep. To sleep. Right? So, right? so, sure. so, so if you can't sleep, there's something wrong with you. So then we got fatigue, right? So mental health symptoms Please. and physical <laughs> symptoms are the same. Mm-hmm. The origin of where the symptom is is the issue. You got to fight what you're fighting on the right plane, right? If I got a medical condition, I treat it with medication geared towards the medical condition. If I'm tired and fatigued from a psychiatric condition, then I have to treat that on the psychiatric level. We can't mistake the two. And right. they're not mutually exclusive. Just because you have a psychiatric condition doesn't mean you can't have a medical condition and vice versa. Sorry. Now, I mentioned once you throw medications in, side effects can cloud everything up. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you can understand the interconnection, then we got to just let it flow. We got to accept that mental health, If just like your, your kidneys can go bad, your liver can go bad, you can have differences in regards to the the fluctuation of neurotransmitters in your brain that can manifest in psychiatric symptoms. We got to act like the brain is not noisy. I totally agree. We're just more attached to it. (laughs) 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 We're just more attached to the brain. Oh, yeah. And we have this foolish belief that we can control it more. Yes. Yeah, we do, but it's not true. Well, you know what, though, when it comes to the idea of the medical and the, the psychiatric, Another reason think parents should look out for, right? Things should look out for. See if they're fatigued and tired all the time. See if you see any changes in their energy levels. See if you see that type of disruption in your kid, right? Mm-hmm. You know, make sure they're not isolated. Yeah, right? that's a big one. Right? Man, isolating is a big thing because Huge. every psychiatric condition also tells you to go somewhere. If you're and if your kid's wearing a hoodie all the time, like like well, I don't let's, know, man. let's check look, that out. My God, yo, let's listen. I, I know, but like let's lift the sleeves. I think I think <laughs> like, show me your forearms. Yo. Well, you know what? My you don't want your kids to be hidden from you. No, right? no. You're right. You know, you don't want them to be hidden. But the hoodie thing, I I have let it go, man, because my daughters, man, yo, they rock them all the time. I, they I, do. I, I just buy them hoodies from different places. They I know, them. but you, but 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 they're not like not showing your. But you know what? But we should also, you know, we we don't we want our children to feel safe, but we should also not let them hide from us. Yeah. I should have conversations with my children. I should spend time with my children. Absolutely. Them That's why I work out with them. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, we'd like to thank Dr. Murphy for coming on here. I- Hopefully, you come back again. Hey, yeah, 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 <laughs> I, 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 you know, I'm trying to sell you to, as a regular. 
So that's what I'm saying. You come on here on regular. Now, um, you want to give a shout out to, you know, so they know where to find you if they have. Well, right now, uh, my main focus has been on telepsychiatry. And uh, I work with a company called Talk Hiatry. And mm -hmm. they can online that we uh, take all types of insurances. Um, outside of that, I have some speaking engagements I'll be working on. Uh, for instance, at my church, Bethel Temple, we did the uh, first annual men's health seminar. Uh, last year, I was the keynote speaker, and we're going to be doing nice. that again in June. And so, you know, I want to make my connections because I want to bring, you know, we, we really need to talk about expanding the utilization of mental health services within the religious and spiritual We community. absolutely need to talk about that. And uh, some of that means <laughs> that's about another challenging session. a lot of things that have occurred. And so yeah. that's one of the things I do when I, when I work that's with people. Awesome. I think it's something that, listen, if you got diabetes, you don't just pray and, and not take your medication. Exactly. You got hypertension, you don't just pray yeah. and, and take your medication. You know, I've never seen a, a pastor sit up there and tell people, yo, throw all of your uh, hypertension. All y'all wouldn't be as depressed if y'all were just paying your time and doing things like you're supposed to do if you had faith yeah. and belief. And you know I what? think that's like that. Let, we should do a whole session on that. Let's do it. Well, you know, you're going to probably need a couple of sessions on that. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Because you got to be open and, and be willing to engage with people. At that level that they're at, mm, I agree. Before. I absolutely agree. But but that's what. Uh, so we'll be doing that, and also I got a good friend, Shaka Gonzalez Brown. He runs the uh, Capital uh, uh, City Salsa Congress, and uh, man, he gave me the opportunity to go up there and speak and and discuss things like self improvement. You know, uh, and I think we're gonna be trying to work on it, maybe engaging in some workshops, that type of uh, a couple webinars and stuff. Well, I, I, yeah, you know what? I I, I really want to go into teaching. And I really feel like God has laid on me that this is what I'm supposed to do. Nice. And, you know, when you have a calling on something you're supposed to do and you hesitate, you get convicted. Yeah. yeah. And, and I've been convicted for a while about this thing. And it's interesting because I prayed on it about moving forward in the way I'm supposed to move. And that afternoon, you gave me a call and asked me to be on your show. Mm. He'd oh. already laid in my wow. mind that I was going to be doing this in December. And so he said December 1st. And it's December 1st that I, I put out the post to let people know I was doing this. And so I really believe he continues to put us in the positions that we need to be in and gives us the opportunity to do what's right. But my sister said something to me the other day. I got to share this with you. Because my sister knows that I've been talking about doing more of this. Uh -huh. And she shared that a relative of ours passed on to her that procrastination is the arrogance of believing that God will continue to give you the opportunity over and over again to do the things that you are supposed to do. Mm. Wow. Okay. That, that that is true. <laughs> He's not going to continue to keep. And and so I appreciate the opportunity, and I look forward to further opportunity. Yeah, oh. trust me, we will have you back. Trust me. Oh. Not every time we get a psychiatrist on here. I mean, not knocking everybody else that we done had. <laughs> <laughs> I just letting y'all know. No, I'm, not gonna, I'm very thankful for everybody that comes on here because they don't have to do it. Well, one thing we used to do early in our career, well, both me and you were working residency, yeah. was, was we spent a lot of late hours given accessibility to people who didn't always have access to us. Right. right? Yeah. And so uh, one of the things I'd always looked at was how do we then expand our influence, right? So right now, as we have this conversation, we discuss these things with people. You have the opportunity to expand your influence way beyond we ever could back then because we're doing one person at a time. Mm -hmm. We're not meant to catch one person at a time. Mm -hmm. Dang. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, we're well, catching a lot now. Yeah, we yeah. are. Yeah, yeah. So... I watched Charles Stanley on television. I love Charles Stanley. Yeah. Is it on? I grew up watching yeah. Fair oh, yeah. Price. I, but I watched Charles Stanley. And then he had this message, and this message moved me, and I felt like, yo, you know what? I like what he's saying. And then it's interesting because he then said, you know, uh, the copyright comes up. And this sermon was about unhealthy eating and, and not taking care of your body and understanding that your body is the vessel for Christ and what we have to do. And, have to, and, and then it said copyright 1997, right? 1997, maybe 2000. So, this man says something 20 years ago that resonates with me today because the truth, the truth never lies, the truth never goes awry. Right? So if you can work with people and put that truth out, who knows whose life you can be touching in the future, who hasn't been born yet, but who can be dealing with what you're dealing with right now. Absolutely. And that's the that's the power of media. Because they can hear this. Well, and, yeah. and, and not to mention you gotta fight the ignorance. You gotta fight <laughs> the bad stuff that's out there. You know, <clears throat> ignorance multiplies way faster than we do. 
Well, I mean, I think our whole podcast is based. On, I mean, I, I think we have fun, but I think I think our whole podcast is based on like let's like debunk the myth of mental health, really, right? And like every area that we can do that, you know, like yeah, like I I, I love that. That is the one thing that I love about it, and the one thing that uh, you know I'm thankful that will force me to do it because of. <laughs> because it was definitely um good job anime good job forced. <laughs> I, not to, no 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 not in this climate. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? You know what? That, that's 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 a big problem though. It's like we have become so subjective in regards to what mental health is. Used to have the, used to have the time we had to have impairment. Now things have become so subjective that that we're expanding. We're expanding so much that that when did it when did it quit being okay to just have a bad day, right? Or get a little frustrated or feel challenged with something. We have to be careful sometimes when we deal with mental health because what we don't want to do. See, what, well, I you know I'm gonna go I'm gonna go I'm I'm gonna come in on that because well, like one of the things when people have a bad day, like I honestly like if you're talking about mental health, depression, bad day, like like discerning between the the two, it's overused, right? Like so I might have a bad day and I'll be like oh, I'm so depressed today. But no, you're not really actually depressed. You're just having a bad day, and I think that's problematic. And same as like saying like. Oh, that person's narcissistic. Well, people don't really understand what that is. Well, you bring up two different topics, though, because one is when people use psychiatric terms yes. and, a, and regular nomenclature. It drives me in the same Right. Well, yeah. and, and that's another thing about education. Right? No, this is not yes. bipolar disorder. Right. No, this is not. Right. Um, the other thing, though, what, what I'm discussing is this. We have to allow people to be okay with sometimes not being okay. great. Right. Mm-hmm. We have yes. to set an expectation of what happy is. Right. I don't, I don't, I've never prescribed a person a happy pill. I've prescribed them an antidepressant. I can tell you what not being depressed should look like. Mm-hmm. But if your goal is for happiness, happiness is an individual thing. I think that is Lewis true. It's an ever ending uh, journey with uh, ever diminishing results. Right? <laughs> what I'm saying is we have to, we as the, the mental health community need to set a right size what normal should look like right and i think if we continue to expand what abnormal is unfortunately if everybody's sick nobody's sick. yeah Whoa. no i mean that is true i mean i think you know like it's okay to have a, a bad day it's okay to be sad like those emotions and i think that's important to talk about like uh, you know across the board is that like you every like we're human we feel sadness we feel anger we feel like all of those things and so like expressing, you know, just because you have that doesn't mean that it's like yeah, a huge listen, thing. It's okay to have a bad day. Here's what you do. You, you know, sleep it I, off and you get out. No. <laughs> if you don't like what you feel, change what it. you're doing. Mm-hmm. Change what you're doing. If you're feeling sad in the, in, in the kitchen, man, get up and go outside. <laughs> go live <laughs> room. Go for a walk. Do yeah. something. That's the number one and, thing. And, and if what you did didn't work, then try something else, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But don't sit around in it because if I sit around in it, what's going to change, right? And if I take this pill and all I do is sit around in my depression, nothing's going to change. Nothing changes until right. something changes. Well, like ever. So, so you got to make movement on this. Mm-hmm. Well, and the, I think the problem with that is that as human beings, we don't we we you know. We resist change. We don't like it. Like it, it makes our, we get into a routine. We do the things that we do and we go forth in that way. And change is uncomfortable and we feel the uncomfort. And I think as human beings for the, you know, 95% of us anyway, like just feel that uncomfort and want to revert back to the same. Some right? people can feel, some people can become very comfortable in their misery. Right. Because it's all they know. And so they wrap themselves around with it. And some people even define themselves by it so they can't let go. Because if I let go of it, now who am I? Right. But then some people just like the attention. Some people just like the attention. I don't know about that. Hold up. Hold up. I don't know. But but you have to be careful when you say attention knows this. Yes. You have to be careful because just because I want attention 
doesn't mean I don't need some assistance. No, no, no. I may have yeah, asked yeah, for yeah. it in the wrong way. Yeah. Right? So I think sometimes when people say stuff like, yeah. you just want attention, it's like that just, it, it, it comes across more like you're just putting on a show. And right. all you want is somebody to watch you. Don't it's like, you. No, yeah. they may be saying this. I need somebody to intervene. I don't know I don't how know to how. ask for this yeah. because <laughs> no one ever taught me the language. Yeah. Right? right? What did this kid go through to learn the language of how to ask for help? And some of them don't know. And, yeah. and hey, it's like, I can't ask for something if I don't know I need it. Right. right. Mm. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and that's where we catch it when we, and then when we yeah. say attention, they, they then will sort of, they can project that onto every time they heard that in every other situation. Now, sometimes you watch a TV show and somebody uh, was a, uh, Water boy, where all of a sudden when someone yelling at them, they turn their face. <laughs> right. All of a sudden when they hear you saying that and they've heard that before, your face turns into whoever it is they don't like. And that's what transference is. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know what's interesting is that, you know, I've learned a lot from you, Dr. Murphy, and just kind of watching you over the years. And I I really wish that we had better education of people for people that work in the field right because like class, because the yeah. large agree, percentage yeah. of the the people that spend the most time with the clients are usually the least educated and unfortunately and, and, that is and true. because of that you have because i will admit honestly my first year working at newport news i are we still going to go wrong yeah we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not, I mean, I was going to diss it. So, no. I mean, my first year of, of working, we love Newport News. I did not, I did not know what I was doing. Right. Like, I wholeheartedly had no understanding of, you know, although I had a degree in sociology, I did not know what I was looking at. Right. And, I think that's and luckily, common. It yeah. is. And yeah. but the bad thing about it is, or maybe the good thing, the good thing is that I ran into mentors and I ran into people who mm. knew more than me and i trusted them right. and i was able to glean from them you know with you dr murphy i remember specifically you wouldn't necessarily medicate or or increase the kids medication without talking to us first right, mm-hmm. right. you know what i'm saying and at the time i didn't really you know get why that is but now you know having lived a little longer i definitely understand that that's one of the tools to get a holistic picture yeah. of of the kid and what they're doing um but it's just so unfortunate that we don't provide the education and then at the same time it's also buy-in you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like because you guys can be saying all that you're saying because I, I remember orientation class yeah they were still saying some of those things but i didn't buy into it you know i didn't mm-hmm. even even having a degree i didn't really buy into well, therapy and stuff like that and once i did once i saw the benefits myself right. it changed but i honestly kind of the way i was a worker so i i agree with you i think like the majority of the time mm-hmm. spent with like the kids in that type of environment is like maybe the least educated. Now, what I will say to that is even the most educated, like it doesn't really matter until you've done it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it yeah. doesn't, yeah. like it doesn't yeah. matter. Like I can be, fra- like, I mean, good Lord knows like when I was like, God help the people that I did therapy with when I was like, you know, 17 years ago, like for, I, I had no idea what I was doing until I like, you know, I mean, I did, you know, to some degree, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it wasn't like, like, I didn't come it's, up, it's you know what I'm saying? It's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Yes. Right, 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 right. I can, I can right, get the book, right. but, but, but can I apply it? Right, right. right. But, and, and over, over the time, yeah, I remember though, like, like the Dr. Murphy you met was at some point in 2001, the Dr. Murphy who, who didn't know anything. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and the hope and the goal of teaching is then if I can use the experiences I've had to then maybe allow you to move forward in certain steps or at least get a better understanding because we still have to go through it to actually accept it sometimes, mm-hmm. right? right? You can say, hey, yo, Dr. Murphy said this and so. How many times I do on the unit and tell people, listen, this is what we need to do for the night and everybody does it while I'm there and then the minute I leave, it's like, <laughs> yeah, 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 right? Yeah, right? Okay, hey, doc, I, I would come down the hill sometimes and I have excellent hair. My wife tells you I hear anything, <laughs> right? And I can hear the kids, oh, Dr. Murphy coming, everybody, everybody go back yeah. and say, yo, listen, listen. <laughs> As you mature and you, and you move forward in your career, you, you get a better sense of things, right? Yeah. So so it's like you have these tools and there's tools, this knowledge, and then 
uh, think about those old Chinese movies, right? So all of a sudden you get these tools and the kid starts learning things and then you become quicker and quicker. And before yes. you know it, you're like, learn. and that's how you go with your clinical skills. Your clinical <laughs> skills become quick. They do. Now I can just sidestep something. Oh, yeah. Now I'm thinking right for this. You can't be everything to everybody. But no, you sort of, you get those tools and you learn. And then you learn to apply them. And then what really happens, I think, for those of us who stayed in the field long enough, is we get a deeper understanding of the systems. Yes. And yes. then you get a deeper understanding of the yes. systems and how you apply that knowledge to that system. And then that can like go into all different aspects of yeah. your life. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. And when you're taking care of yourself, man, you can you can you can you can get there because you because you have to take care of yourself primarily. One thing you talk about education. I don't want to be uh, educated. My educators were educated. Yes, sir. Right. I, I went for uh, Dr. Appraisal was my mentor in child analysis psychiatrist, man. And, and he worked under Anna Ford. Right? And then we had Dr. Pemberth and she had worked with Beck. And so we had education from people who were very educated. Uh, and then one thing we all did is we all had to do a year of psychotherapy. Like you had to sit on that couch. You know what? I had a mentor had that said that. the same thing we had to, to me. Yeah, for a year, third year. I was pissed. Well, because this. <laughs> I was. I she and my my mentor said my mentor said, "How dare you want to be the person yes. giving if you've yeah. never sat in the chair?" Well, and I was like, well, "Okay." Well, <laughs> it was explaining to me like this. Like, oh, problems, <laughs> especially early in your career. Some of your patients have been patients longer than you've been a patient. Yes. True, right? true. And so they're good. And not to mention, sometimes we're not just doing mental health. Sometimes you're doing spiritual warfare in that room. Mm. <laughs> That's true. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, so That's true. they can pick up on things within you if you ain't addressed it yourself. Mm -hmm. Right? They oh, that is true. They that can is get around true. and find that yes, spot, sir. man. That's like, boy, oh, boy, do that. Do that. You know what? That's why you get some people who, unfortunately, Allow that anger to build up in them, and now they become an aggressive against yep. the kid. Yeah, mm. that's also how you have people who cross lines and find themselves in relationships mm. because they have not covered their buttons. And so True. you gotta have, you gotta know now, now knowing your buttons and trying to cover don't mean people still can't tap on them. <laughs> <laughs> but at least it should give you a better knowledge of mm. yourself and what you're going. I don't think that through. when I went to therapy for my when I was being mentored that it taught me that though. I will say that Dr. Murphy, I did not. I was still like it was like uh, I don't need to go to therapy. A, Dr. <laughs> Ruban, Dr. Ruban, I hope he's still out. He was at UVA. He was my 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 uh, my psychoanalysis. I learned so much, man. I really? So much. Well, you know what? Just what? Hey, you know, therapy's just like going to church, man. You're going to get out of what you put in. So, but what I'm saying is, is like, I mean, it wasn't a big revelation, but it was, it was good for me. It was good for me, but like, it wasn't like this big revelation of like, I don't well, know. For me, it was more of a, um, for me, I had a lot of unprocessed things yeah. that were lingering through challenges that I faced in medical school, through experiences that I had, mm -hmm. through decisions that I made. I had to work on me a lot. Yeah. And uh, and that was okay. You know, um, it's a good thing. Well, I, I think it then allows me to have a better appreciation of what other people may be going through, right? Now, you don't have to go through another person goes through to help. Right. 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 Because I don't hit, but I can, uh, I can process those emotions and, I can understand your emotion, even though I can't live your experience. Correct. And yeah. That's how we work with people. But mm -hmm. you got to work on your own emotional stability. You got to make sure people aren't pushing buttons. You can't, you know, and that that's that's people that you're working with, also people that you're working on. Mm -hmm. So you got to be careful about that. Mm -hmm. Going to right. made me form sympathy for the kids because it was, and it was it was an incident at work that mm -hmm. caused me to have to start going to therapy. Oh wow. Um, okay. The kid on a cute had attacked one of the therapists, mm -hmm. and I was the one that grabbed him and restrained him, whatever. Mm -hmm. And he was in psychosis. He thought it was his mother. Mm -hmm. like Verbally saying this, um, I, to this day, I can't tell you what it was about that situation that triggered me. Mm -hmm. But I stopped being able to sleep before I had to go to work. Wow! Like I, I really would not fall asleep probably until about five, and I had to be up at six. Yeah. Um. And one of my friends was like, you need to go see a therapist. Yeah. 
And I was like, nah, I'm good. Nah, I don't want to see a therapist. And and she was very insistent that I need to see a therapist. And then once I did that, I looked at what we do from a completely different perspective. Yeah. Like it changed, it changed how I interacted with the kids. Yeah. Well, and I think, and it changed that. And I think that goes back to like the, what we were talking about earlier with the physical and, um, you know, physical health and mental health, right? Because yeah. insomnia, like, really, like, I mean, your sleep will tell you, like, it'll be like your something's messed up, but like, you like prior to that, I never in my life had insomnia. Knew what anxiety? Like, oh. I could fall asleep and drop and die. Right, 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 right. You know what I'm saying? I see you sleep at work. Few times, yeah. Few times. But it, but it, but yeah. it, it literally changed the way that I that I saw them because honestly, I had. Prior to that, I had no interaction really with therapy. Right, you know? right, right. Um, but that's that buy-in piece that I was saying earlier. Like you need staff. That I think I think there's a there's a there's a a big stigma about there. Not even stigma, just like whatever. I'm gonna talk to somebody. It's gonna help. Like well, that seems like it's the it's the problem. The problem is this: people think therapy is just talk. Right. right? Yes. And it's not talk. It should be about process. It, it is. Be, it should be about homework assignments it, should it not, is because if it just becomes a talk session it doesn't then, help then we're not moving forward anything. right okay. and sometimes you have to explain to people listen do you want improvement or do you just want approval right i mean and then that's and that's a big that that people that that's their thing they're like i'm i don't want to just talk to somebody it's not going to help me it's not going to do anything and so like that's a huge deal and so to break down that barrier is like For those people you may want to focus on a more really technical like cbt this is the assignment do all and if they don't do it then recognize they may not be ready to uh, make that change right, right yeah right because you can't just sit there and get frustrated with a person sometimes you got to hit that spot where you're ready to make a change yeah and unfortunately like i say too many people become attached to this and allow it to become a part of them. That's they true. Can't let it go. Yeah, mm. that's true. It's almost a comfort. Yeah. All right, JJ, can you uh, wrap us up? All right, everybody. Thanks again. <laughs> so wrap us up, JJ. Wrap us up. Uh, in this episode, uh, thank you to Dr. Michael Anthony Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for coming to the show and being a part. We'll definitely have you again. again. All right, guys. That's it for us. Peace out. All, All right. right. God bless. Peace.